Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. This is Inside the Military Mind, addressing mental health and wellness for service members, veterans, and their families with your host, Wayne France. Brought to you by Family Care Center, offering behavioral health services for both children and adults and specializing in services for military families and veterans. Family Care Center, our family caring for your family. Now, here's Dwayne France. Hello, and welcome to Inside the Military Mind. My name is Dwayne France, and each week we'll be talking about mental health and wellness for the military-affiliated population. Coming up in today's guest segment, I'll be having a conversation with Marshall Bosworth, the El Paso County Veteran Service Officer. Later, I'll be sharing the Homefront Military Network Resource of the Week, Operation TBI Freedom. On this week's Insight segment of the show, I'm going to be talking about the current events in Afghanistan, how they're impacting those who served, and some potential ways to address how we're feeling about it. Our show is brought to you by the Family Care Center, the community's leading provider of outpatient behavioral health for service members, veterans, and their families. Those who serve our country deserve the best that their community can offer, and when it comes to mental health and wellness, it's important for them to work with someone that they can trust and can understand their unique challenges and needs related to mental health. Whether you're looking for individual counseling, couples counseling, or management and consultation regarding mental health medications, you'll find what you need at the Family Care Center. Take some time to focus on you by going to fcsprings.com and allow our family to care for you and your family. On today's Insights into the Military Mind, I'd like to talk about the things that are going on for many service members, the reactions to the current events in Afghanistan. The events unfolding around the withdrawal in Afghanistan have been very much in the news lately. This is impacting service members, veterans, and their families in a significant way. Those who served, whether in Afghanistan or not, as well as their spouses and children, are experiencing some very strong emotions in the past several weeks. If we think back to 20 years ago, 9-11 was a universally distressing event. When it happened, watching the aftermath for weeks and months, those of us in the military realized that life had changed in an instant. And then in the intervening years, we had many hardships as a nation. The financial crisis of 2008-2009, the civil unrest of the last several years. These were widespread emotionally impactful events. But I can't necessarily recall a time since 9-11 that an event of this magnitude fell so heavily on the military and veteran community. Even when Iraq fell in 2013 and 14, it was certainly distressing for those of us who served there. I remember watching a news report on the fall of Fallujah with a bunch of Marines who were spitting mad. But we also had another war going on. Today, this is generating a lot of questions for those of us who served. What was the point? Why were we there? What does this mean for the thousands of lives lost, the hundreds and thousands of lives changed by catastrophically wounded, ill, or injured service members? What do we do with this mix of emotion, sadness, anger, confusion? As I was going through this week, both personally as a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, as a mental health professional helping my clients who are veterans, I recalled a conversation with a colleague that helped me add another question. What do we do now? What's next for those who served who have been so strongly impacted? So I wanted to share some insights that may help all of us come to terms with what's been happening in these challenging days. So as I mentioned, there's been a mix of emotions. First, there's been anger. For many veterans, that's the primary emotion that's being expressed. 
angry at the military and government for pulling out of Afghanistan, which can also be extended to or rekindle feelings of anger and betrayal at their own leadership while they were being deployed. Angry at the Afghan military, which is generally seen as incompetent and effective. And of course, angry at the Taliban, which was seen as the primary enemy when we were fighting in Afghanistan. We can provide an alternative to that anger. Anger is the emotion that we experience when something we strongly believe in has been violated in some way. Understanding the underlying core belief that has been violated, such as we never should have been there in the first place or all of the sacrifices were meaningless, can be beneficial in addressing the core belief rather than simply raging at the current events. Another common emotion that many veterans are experiencing is significant sadness considering the lives lost and damaged during the conflict. This can be exacerbated by memorial moments and anniversary reactions as we're emerging into the historical fall fighting season. For Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom veterans, the late winter, spring, and late summer, autumn months are typically difficult because it was the height of fighting season in both conflicts, and many experienced losses of fellow service members during these months. The upcoming anniversaries of battlefield losses coupled with the current events could exacerbate these feelings of sadness and grief. A different way to look at sadness. These current events are ones that can cause grief at the loss of others or grief at the loss of their own capabilities to reemerge. The sacrifices were meaningless self-talk can also demonstrate sadness. Exploring whether or not the losses were in fact meaningless to the veteran themselves can be helpful in addressing this grief. It can also be beneficial to help the veteran realize how their behavior or outlook changed after the death of their fellow service member. Do they do things differently or do they convince their chain of command to do things differently? Another thing that many veterans are experiencing is confusion. I'm hearing this from a lot of the soldiers I served with. Why were we there? What was the point? These are the same questions that we had sitting in the smoking areas or while on patrol or sitting on a mountainside. They're likely the same questions that service member asked in the Iodrang Valley in Vietnam, in South Pacific, in Gettysburg, and Valley Forge. The geopolitical reasons can be too big for someone to understand why they're freezing their feet off in some faraway land. The alternative to that confusion Many service members came to some measure of satisfaction as to why they were serving in combat in the time that they served, whether to make life better for that population, to help a country stabilize, or simply to take care of those around them. It can be helpful to explore how we rationalized our service while we were deployed and re-engage in that rationalization now. The end does not invalidate what has gone before, so the reasons that we gave ourselves then can be helpful now. And one of the most powerful things that I've seen in the discussion lately for me is the simple fact of we were fighting for each other. We were there for each other. In the middle of the suck, nothing matters but the people to the left and right of you. That's who and what we were fighting for, and no amount of current events can take that away from us. Another emotion that many are feeling is a sense of fear. Some of what I've been hearing and seeing from my clients has been fear and anxiety. They say to themselves, the Taliban are more heavily armed now than they were 20 years ago. What's to keep them from using that against us? Some of this fear is resurgence of the terrorist activity in the country, and other fear stems out of speculation about the influence that other nations have and how that's going to impact Afghanistan. An alternative to that, as with any other form of anxiety, is addressing the likelihood of a potential future event happening. I've been describing the fact that the U.S. military now knows Afghanistan in a way that we didn't know it 20 years ago. Maps, coordinates, locations, even assets on the ground in the country. I personally don't believe that we'll be caught off guard, at least in the near term, the way that we were on 9-11. And regarding the equipment, yes, we have all of the equipment there. But one thing that the Afghan military doesn't have is the resources required to maintain that equipment and continue to support the use of that equipment over the long term. 
So really for me, the last question that I've added is, what are we as veterans going to do to move on from this, to continue to serve? How are we going to ensure that the sacrifice of those who were lost is not in vain? And that's the story of continued service. I believe wholeheartedly that current era veterans, just as much as previous era veterans, have the capacity to help this country to heal. We also have the capacity to do harm, which is absolutely not necessary. Harm to ourselves and harm to others. We can let the anger overwhelm us and withdraw and disengage from society, or we can choose to do and be something else. When author and reporter Sebastian Younger talks about what's next for service members, he describes a painting by Winslow Homer called Veteran in a New Field. This is a painting of a veteran harvesting wheat. In the lower right-hand corner of the painting, you can see some of the cast-off uniform of a Union Army soldier laying on the ground. The concept is that this is a soldier who might have fought at Gettysburg or the Wilderness Campaign, but now they're back from war and they're not on the battlefield anymore. They're in the wheat field. They had to move on to what's next. They had to re-engage with the non-combat community. They had to get back to work. It doesn't mean that what's happening is not distressing. It doesn't mean that what's happening isn't impactful. It means that we need to come to a personal understanding with what happened in Afghanistan and figure out how we can move forward and take care of ourselves and others moving forward. So I'm glad to be able to share some of these insights. I'd love to hear what you think about them. Share them with us by dropping an email to militarymind at fccsprings.com. Today's interview segment is with Marshall Bosworth. Marshall is a retired Army non-commissioned officer, having served in a military career as a combat medic. He currently serves as the El Paso County Veteran Service Officer. Each county in Colorado has a veteran service office that offers free assistance to veterans. The El Paso County Veteran Service Office specializes in assisting veterans and their family members with claims, applications, and appeals to the Department of Veterans Affairs. If you're considering requesting services or submitting an application to the VA, we strongly recommend that you contact your county veteran service office. Let's get into my conversation with Marshall and come back afterwards to hear about this week's Homefront Military Network Resource of the Week. So as the El Paso County Veterans Service Officer, you're responsible for the largest single community of veterans in the state of Colorado. Now, this is an extension of your work in the military, taking care of troops as a leader. And I'd like to hear about your background and how you how the work you do now is an extension of the work that you did when you were in the military. Well, thank you, Duane. Um, I am retired from the Army where I just spent over 25 years as a combat medic. I had many assignments from infantry units, field hospitals, small clinics, and hospitals. I served two tours in Iraq, both as a medical platoon sergeant and in the staff position. I believe my ex experience taking care of soldiers, training, and mentoring reflects in my current position, mostly because I am a vet as well. That's, be that's been there and done that too. That connection along with my medical background and training as a veteran service officer enables me to connect and really provide the right guidance and assistance to the veterans and family members that come to us for assistance. It also enables me to provide the right guidance and training to my staff to do the same. You know, I, I, and so you've been the veteran service or with the veteran service office, I think almost since you retired, right? This was the, the yes. first thing that you did afterwards. I don't think you remember, I don't even think that we connect, but you presented at my um, uh, uh, transition program, right? So you were the presenter that came while I was actually retiring from the military um, talking about some of the El Paso County Veteran Services. Wow, that's that's uh, nice to know. I remember yeah. doing those briefings before they put them all online. Um, yeah, I actually started as the front desk clerk in our office, mm. and it was right after I retired from the Army. I came in, and I fell in love with the job day one. 
because you know just helping other veterans to get what somebody helped me to get mm-hmm. is really even today after almost 10 years in this you know working for the veteran service office that's still what i remember somebody helped me to get my benefits and that's what we try to do every day for the veterans that come into our office is to help them get what we have and you know i love being able to go into the community and tell them what we do try to bring them into our office so we can help that we we've actually just recently started helping out uh, fort carson doing the the bdd claims because there's just a lot of people transitioning so um Honestly, I just love getting up to every day, coming to work, and helping others. And the the transition into being the manager three years ago, it was a little difficult for me at first because I have less face-to-face interaction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. doing a claim with somebody. But I get to do great things like this and, and talk to you out in the community and uh, tell people what we do and tell people that we're pretty good at what we do and, you know, make sure t- to call us if you need that assistance because we're going to lead you in the right direction. And that's one thing that, that especially having military experience is beneficial as the county veteran service officer. But that idea of that's that's what medics did when they were in the military is is you took care of troops. Um, and you've seen it and I've seen it that a lot of times veterans don't find that they have the right thing that they do afterwards. You really see this as an extension of taking care of troops the same way that you did it, you did as a medic. Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember my first interview when I told them my military experience and it absolutely a hundred percent plays into what we do every day. The, the fact that somebody's coming to me with a disability and I can look at that individual disability and say, well, do you have this medical condition and this medical condition and this medical condition that relate to that primary one? And those are ways that we can find to maybe get more service connected disability for somebody that has a secondary disability or something like that. And I train, even though I have people from different MOSs in the military that work for me, um, I can train them in that way. So it, it's definitely beneficial. And just, you know, as a medic, my mindset was always to help others. Mm-hmm. And continuing to be able to do that is it's an overwhelming feeling, actually, because mm-hmm. every day that you get to contribute back to helping somebody's um, – life improve somebody might be struggling because they need extra income or they might not be able to do the things that they did because of their disabilities and we find ways to provide that extra income for them or um, even refer them to the people that maybe we can't help for job assistance or education assistance and things like that so just um, that ability to help others every day is what's key to not just myself, but my staff. Mm -hmm. My staff tells me every day that they love coming to work and helping others. And it's taken me a little while to get those guys in there, but they, they love what they do as well. How important do you think that is, veterans finding something after the military to sort of fill that space, right? I mean, you and I have really, after our military career, something different but similar, but still taking care of troops. Um, you know, maybe someone to go work in a, a, a sawmill may not have. How important do you think that is for veterans, finding something to give back to their community? I think it's vital, actually. I mean, the uh, the fact that so many can't find that is where we try to work to help people find that key ingredient. Um, I've had veterans that have tried to work for me and they couldn't fit into the office environment and they've moved on. But 
they were able to find something else that fit them perfectly and they're doing well now. So I think it's actually vital and key because when you get out of the military, there's so much camaraderie and teamwork that keeps us together. We're a family and it doesn't matter the branch of service. It doesn't matter whether you deployed or didn't deploy. Just being in the military, you are a different type of individual and we're a small percentage of the American population. And when we walk away from that, whether it's after three years or 20 plus years, sometimes we have a hard time fitting in and finding our place. And so I think it's key um, and and it's key in this community because we all work together so well to try to help each other out. And But being able to find your place and find your way is key to um, success, being happy. And being happy isn't always about the paycheck either. Right, yeah. Well, and I think that's another thing that I've always really appreciated you and, of course, your predecessors is, is you, in, in a number of different things, but the basis you provide financial stability. Um, and, and a veteran who's, who's receiving the benefits they get, I'm a mental health professional. We don't make a whole lot of money. I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for my military retirement and my VA disability, right? So having this kind of financial stability can allow a veteran to go out and find something that they want to do instead of getting a job that they feel like they have to do to pay the bills. Oh, absolutely. And we're in the same exact boat with what we do because most of my staff is our retirees. Um, I've had a few that were great VSOs, but because you know we don't pay a great salary all of the time, they've had to move on to better opportunities um, financially. But they still contact me and say, Marshall, I miss working for you. I miss coming to the office every day and helping veterans. So, so it, there is a passion behind it and you have to love what you do. And there's a saying that I tell all my VSOs, I said, if you ever think that you're in this for the money or you're, or that's your key number one goal in this office, then you might not be in the right business because we're here to help other veterans and their mm-hmm. families. And, and I have the staff that is right on key with that. They're, they come in every day just ready to help the next person. And, and they're doing six claims a day. I have five full-time VSOs doing six claims a day. So it doesn't slow down for us. We're consistently um, helping to file these claims with the VA and now that we've taken on these BDD claims, that's going to increase our workload because, you know, there's five to 600 people transitioning out of the military here every month. And so, and, and definitely like to talk a little bit about what you do and, and the number, the, the types of benefits that veterans have the ability to receive. We're talking financial, right? But there's a number of different things. Uh, the Veteran Service Office helps veterans get the benefits they deserve. Could you tell us about some of those things your team does, like what the, the BDD is or what these disability mm-hmm. claims are, or even what some other things outside of maybe some of the disability claims that you do? Absolutely. So the primary service that we provide is to assist veterans and family members to obtain their VA disability compensation. This includes, you know, we file their initial claims. We can file claims for increased ratings or secondary conditions or even help them file their appeals with the VA. We start from the beginning all the way through that process. And we also help um, surviving family members apply for survivor's benefits. That's another compensation that they can uh, get if the veteran has passed away. Um, We also assist with VA healthcare enrollment so when you know a lot of times it might be easy to go to the clinic and do that but if somebody is unable to do that but they can come to our office we can help them do that paperwork we can help give them some information on education benefits even help them to enroll in that 
but our primary mission is the VA disability. And the other thing about my myself and my staff is we're accredited VSOs or veteran service officers. And what that means is that we actually have training from our state organization, the Colorado Division of Veteran Affairs, and our national organization, which is the National Association of County Veteran Service Officers. And that means that we can represent through a power of attorney the veterans that we assist. And and what that means is that we have VA access. I can call the VA and talk to somebody that works for them. I can look at their VA file on my computer and tell them what they have filed or what we have filed and what the results are, what the letters are that are coming back to them. So just having that ability gives us a step up from somebody who does not have that, that might call themselves a veteran service officer. And what that allows us to do is take those VA letters, read them, explain to somebody what that VA talk means because mm-hmm. you've received a VA letter before mm-hmm. and it's very confusing. They did. <laughs> so, but we know how to translate those because we're accredited veteran service officers. And, and then that allows us to also take what is said in those letters and give the proper advice to the veteran. It allows us to say, okay, well, they only gave you 10% for these reasons. If you think you deserve a 20% underneath the federal law that's covered by the 38 CFR, you have to have this medical condition to get to 20%. And then we talk about medical evidence and all of the pieces of that puzzle that come together to make that a successful claim. And a lot of times we may not even file something for a veteran, but just us explaining how it works and having them understand that, you know what? I never understood that. I've been trying to get this disability for 20 years. Now I understand why I've never been given that and why I will never get it. So thank you for explaining that to me. So we go from getting people 10% to 100% to maybe nothing, but as long as they understand the process and understand why, that's helpful for them to maybe move on because not everybody's going to get 100% and not everybody's going to get that disability service connected. But we want them to understand the why to that. And being accredited, we're able to help them to understand that. You know, I think that's really helpful. It's like uh, I can do my own taxes, but once my taxes get complicated, I need to go to a tax professional, right? I, I need to have somebody who is able to to help me do that. And the disability application process is, is extremely complicated. Again, having done it myself, but I think you and I have talked before, is my father, we lost him in 2017, but he was 100% service-connected when he died. He was in Vietnam in 67, and he got his, his disability in 2014. So nearly 50 mm-hmm. years afterwards, so especially, and you're not talking about current air veterans, we're talking about veterans from Vietnam and the, the, the Cold War and the Gulf War that, that, like you said, it's been 20, 30 years um, that have been trying to do this on their own, and they don't need to because we have this resource. Absolutely. I mean, and, and we help veterans. Every once in a while, we still get a World War II veteran that comes in our office, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot fewer than we used to, but we still we still do. Korean War, Vietnam War, and yeah, I mean, we all know the Vietnam veterans were not treated well when they came home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have not asked for anything for that reason. And to be honest with you, I don't want to say I have favorite veterans because I love all veterans. But those Vietnam veterans that come in that, have, that gave up 30, 40 years ago because they didn't want to deal with the government and the bureaucracy, those are the, the veterans that I love to bring them in my office and look at what they have. And then, you know, it might take a, a year. It might take a little longer depending on what, what course of action we have to take. But I have quite a few of them that by the time we're done, they have 100%. And what that does, it not only 
makes them whole. It provides them that compensation. And in a lot of cases, it actually provides their surviving spouse benefits when they pass away Mm -hmm. from that ugly Agent Orange-related disability. And the thing about it is we don't just have somebody come in our office, talk to them for five minutes, and they're out the door. We work with the same clients over and over and over for years. I have many Vietnam veterans that I help to get those benefits that they deserved. And then when they did pass away, I helped their surviving spouse get their benefits as well. And we, we maintain those relationships. They still come in and say, hey, I just want to say hi to Marshall. And those are the things that are important. That's the payment that we receive more than a paycheck. Right. And it's, it's beyond just um, getting somebody the money. It's reestablishing trust in a system, right? I mean, yes. again, going back to my father of, you know, he had all but given up. And if it wasn't for me trying to push that, um, but then afterwards it, it was, he was a Vietnam veteran who says, well, things aren't all that bad reestablishing trust for Vietnam veterans, but also establishing trust for, for current era veterans who may be confused about, you know, what do I do now with the rest of my life? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, especially I, I'm not trying to really bring up the politics of the day, but in light of the situation that's right now, you know, there's a lot of veterans out there that are saying, well, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we want to be able to provide that assistance to them. We want them to be able to come in and talk to us and say, hey, well, these guys got my back they're going to help me to get the benefits from those times or or the sacrifices that i made because those sacrifices are still important and they are meaningful so you know we do want to establish that trust and that relationship with the veterans in our community so that you know they do trust people again or know where to go and even if it's not something that we specifically help with like maybe direct education benefits other than filling out an application, but we know where to send them. We mm-hmm. know who to talk to. We know mm-hmm. um, your organization, Dwayne, honestly, the Family Care Center, we send people to you guys all the time mm-hmm. because it's a great organization. And in my opinion, you really, truly care and help people. So we're, that's my number one, send them to Dwayne. So, <laughs> you know, but, but that's what partnerships are about. Right. And that's what we do as a community. So, um, yeah, we want all vets to come in and talk to us and establish that relationship with the understanding that they do have to take some responsibility for themselves. They do have to work on their own claim as well. They have to go to the doctors and things like that. But we try to explain all those things and make them understand why that's important. So, Yeah, and I think it's a, a, a critical role that you're filling and you're, you're bringing up uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, obviously, absolutely right now is, is this show is, is live. Uh, and I talk a little bit about it in our, our insight segment a little bit earlier. Um, but now that for you and I, this is the first cross-generational war, right? You know, our leaders at the beginning of the global war on terror were like Vietnam veterans. Peter Pace was a, mm-hmm. a, a platoon commander in Vietnam. Um, and now we have multiple generations now that this is winding down, we have another 50 years of taking care of an entire another generation of combat veterans. And you and I and others like us need to make sure that what happens over the next 15 to 20 to 20 years for these veterans isn't what happened in the 70s and 80s. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will tell you, so a few weeks back, I went to our national conference in Washington, D.C., and I am going to say, you know, the secretary of the VA, he came in personally and spoke to us. And he told us, during that conference that, hey, I'm going to add three issues to the particulate matter for the burn pit exposures and the exposures to the dirt and the sand in Afghanistan and everywhere in the Middle East. And he held true to his word. We got, we got the notification, tell the veterans to file the claim. 
And so that speaks loudly to me. And, you know, I can reassure people that the VA, as bureaucratic as it may be, and as frustrating as it may be, they are trying very hard and they are making improvements. When I started this job as the front desk clerk, it was taking two to three years just to get a claim through the system. And now they're getting those claims done in three to four months, maybe six months. Appeals are a little backed up because of COVID, but they're doing a thousand claims a week nationally, a thousand appeals, I should say, to try to get through that workload and, and get the benefits to the veterans. So the VA is much, much better than they used to be. Um, I have to give them you know, mm-hmm. kudos for that because they have realized exactly what you just said was we don't want the Gulf War veterans to have to suffer for 50 years and how many of them might pass away from disabilities before they could even get a benefit. And so they are very much on top of that and trying to not let that happen again. And so for anybody who is listening or who's out there that has a a claim that they think is related to your service, I don't, you know, come see us, let us look at it. Let us talk about it because you know, he even told us straight out of the secretary of the VA's mouth, file those claims. Mm-hmm. So we can, even if we deny them, it's building up a database. The more and more of them that they get, the more they can push the science, the science behind it to say these things are related to being in the Gulf as opposed to just some, you know, congenital thing. So, yes, file the claims, even if it's not on the list come see us and let's file them even even to the point of um even if it's not as you mentioned just a straight disability claim i know that i came to the office when i was trying to figure out combat related special compensation right Mm -hmm. totally different thing they don't teach you that in basic training right Right. what you know what are these things you mentioned the bdd claims what are what are the bdd claims or what are some of the things outside of disability compensation that people can come to to get some advice on okay so the just to the BDD claim is a benefits delivered before discharge. So when I, when I retired from the military, I was able to go do my retirement physical. I went and saw the organization on Fort Carson that helped us to file our claim while we were still on active duty. We were able to go through and do all of our comp and pen exams, all of those things. So your claim was more or less done, you know, when you stepped off, yeah, off the one, bus DD and hung up, hung up and your, your uniform yeah. on that last day. Um, your your claim was finished and then they just had to finish the processing of it and send you your decision letter and and so um i've always actually supported that program because they did my claim right Mm -hmm. and i would tell anybody and everybody to use that program as you're transitioning out of the military if it's available to you Um, unfortunately because of the number of people that are separating in you know locally and the covid and all of the the factors they were getting to, you know, two months out on appointments. So we were able to work with them and tell them that we want to be able to help with that and try to get those appointments out in a reasonable time. So we've been working on that process for two to three weeks now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have one person that's already trained to do it because I actually hired them out of Fort Carson. Um, But he's going to train all of our other VSOs so we can um, help that process because if you can get all of those things done while you're on active duty, all your exams out of the way, and basically the claim is finished and you're just waiting for a decision, then when you do step away, you can focus on, you know, if you're going to school or you can focus on getting that job to support your family or whatever it is that you do, you know, hopefully like you and I finding that thing that we, that 
keeps us going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think our jobs are just as much therapy for us mm-hmm. as they are helping yeah. others. So, mm-hmm. you know, but if they don't have to worry about their claim, then they can worry about the other things that they need to worry about. So that's what the BDD claim is. So CRSE or combat related special compensation, that is actually more uh, geared towards the branch of service. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we know the paperwork and we know what the requirements are. So if, uh, you know, if you have disabilities that are specifically related to your combat, come and see us with that. We can go through the packet with you, explain how it all works and tell you what the difference between a combat related disability is and, and isn't. And then usually the way I do it when I'm doing them is I go through the whole packet. I explain everything that needs to be done. And then I let the veteran go home and fill it all out and go through all of the details of their medical records and all that. And then we have a second appointment and we come back and we go over it and make sure it's all correct. And then in some cases I'll go ahead and mail it off to, you know, department of the army or whoever it is for them. Um, just so we know that it's going out in the mail and we don't have any visibility on that as VSOs. Mm-hmm. We can't track it. We can't, um, you know, it's not see, like the claims, it's right? not it's, like a claim, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's something that is very closely related to the VA disabilities and they need a lot of the VA information like code sheets and rating decisions and those types of things. So we're able to, um, if we represent somebody, make sure they have the right documentation. And it, it's a great benefit, you know, as an example, if somebody has a hundred percent VA disability and all of their disabilities are combat related, they may get their military retirement, if you will, tax free as well as mm-hmm. their VA disability, but the military retirement actually becomes combat-related special compensation, not retirement. So it's a great program if we have somebody who was medically retired. So let's say somebody was medically retired with 15 years because their disabilities prevented them from continuing with their military service. Well, when they get their VA disability, whatever military disability retirement they get goes away because they can't get both of those based on federal law. But if we file for CRSC for them, some of that medical retirement comes back to them. Mm-hmm. So it's very important if you are medically retired and it's all combat-related disabilities, come see us. Let us go through that with you because that could be more money in your pocket. Especially, you know, we have a lot of vets that are, um, they have PTSD. Mm-hmm. And they have a very, very hard time, you know, getting a job, working around people and doing different things. So the more things that we can look at to try to get those benefits to them, if they have that coming into them and they can go get a job working outdoors away from people mm-hmm. and be happy because they don't have to worry about money because they have CRSC or they have their disability from the VA and they can go out and make minimum wage, you know, working in the trees or whatever it is that they do or they enjoy, that's key. Yeah. And those are the things we want to try to help them get to. Again, it's that idea. It's, it's not the money itself. It's what, the, what financial stability allows you to do with what you want to do instead of what you have to do. So you're listening to Inside the Military Mind with Dwayne Franz. My guest today is Marshall Bosworth, the El Paso County Veterans Service Officer. So you're also the basic, basically the representative of the military and veteran community and county government. Um, you, you talked a little bit about that ability to network and refer people, right? You, you, you know, many people know you and your predecessors. Why do you think it's important to have a voice for the military affiliated community in local government, even in a community like El Paso County? I believe it's important, first of all, because I think veterans and their families, we bring a different point of view to this community. 
And it's kind of easy here because we have five military bases and over 100,000 veterans. Um, so it's easy to, to have that relationship, but it's key because there are people that don't understand what military families go through. And when I say military families, it's not just a service member who served or deployed or did what they do, but the families that support that. You know, there's somebody back home that's taking care of the house, the bills, the kids, whatever it is. So everybody is serving in their own way. Everybody's making sacrifices. And, and to be able to help bring all of that perspective to the local governments and our local community partners is key because they realize that it's not it's not just about helping non-veterans with whatever they need. So um, I think that's key, and I think the partnerships that we have, like, f- for instance, we partner with Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, Homefront Military Network, Rocky Mountain Human Services, Family Care Center, um, which is near and dear to your heart, and the VA too. So, you know, I go to meetings with all of these people and we're consistently talking about how to make things better in our community for veterans and their family members. And we have people from our local governments there. I'm usually there representing El Paso County as the veteran service officer, but there are times where commissioners are present. One of our commissioners serves on the Colorado Board of Veteran Affairs. We have a commissioner who serves on the board of the Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center. So they are involved as well. And those partnerships are key because we are one community. Whether you're a veteran or not a veteran or a family member, we are one community and we all live and work together. So I think that being in this position, it was hard for me because I probably do less claims. <laughs> but it, but what I realized is this gives me the opportunity to hopefully make a difference at a higher level and make people understand if they don't, you know, what veterans go through, what their family members are going through, that people do need assistance from time to time. You know, that not every veteran um, has PTSD, but for those that do, they may need some counseling or some other assistance. Not everybody goes to school right out of the military. And sometimes they might need some, some special assistance to get into the education system or into the workforce. So working with the local governments and those different agencies within the county and the city is key to have those partnerships because otherwise, where are we at? Yeah. I've always seen you as sort of a, a, a linkage between uh, the veteran community and sort of the, the government groups, right? And so, um, you know, you may not directly consult with the uh, Department of Public Health or, or you know, Colorado Springs Utilities or anything like that, but, but you're in those connections and you're able to say, hey, this is what I'm hearing from the veteran community, but you're also able to turn around and tell the veteran community, hey, here's all these resources like the Workforce Center and stuff like that. So you're really a linkage, I think, between the, the government entities and the veteran community. Oh, absolutely. Because, and you know, we actually rely on Homefront Military Network a lot for that because they've built a great network of partners, you know, within the community. But, you know, we have people contact us a lot for employment, and we refer them straight to the um, Pikes Peak Workforce. They have a specific section that helps veterans. So we tell them that, you know, don't, don't just go to Pikes Peak Workforce and sit in the lobby. Go in there and tell them you're a veteran and that you need assistance, and then they will uh, – connect you with the right people to help you with that as opposed to just letting you maybe sit in the waiting area for the next available um, counselor or whatever. And same thing with the education. If people are asking us about their post 9-11 benefits, for example, you know, we can assist them a little bit more with that. But when they want to work with the um, 
well, we still call it Voc Rehab, but they mm-hmm. changed their name. Mm-hmm. With Voc Rehab, we um, will answer their basic questions, but then we always try to connect them with the Voc Rehab office specifically so they can get the, all of the right answers because we don't want to give them half the information or whatever. We want to make sure they get to the right people. So, yeah, making those connections in our community is very key. Yeah, and, and again, I think that's that's something that's really been – I've seen very beneficial. Obviously, people have different experiences with county veterans service offices, but um, I, I know that the role that you play here in El Paso County, again, with so many veterans, I mean, you're, you're so busy, right? You know, uh, five VSO, six claims a day. You know, I mean, that's that's the majority of what you do, but then being able to, to take care of all of that. And then the other thing, and perhaps near and dear to my heart uh, a little bit, but as part of the El Paso County Veteran Service Offices, your your office developed a program recognizing the El Paso County Veteran of the Year, of which I was a humble recipient of in 2019. Uh, much appreciated. Why do you feel it was important to develop that recognition specifically, and what do you think it means to the community? Well, I was actually told to ask you what it means to the community, <laughs> Dwayne, but I'll, I'll go ahead and try to answer that question. But um, and congratulations on that. It was uh, it was great to give you that award a couple years ago, and we're actually working on the 2021 Veteran of the Year. Now that will be on September 9th of this year at noon at the Bear Creek Park again. Um, so that is another uh, large activity that is on my plate that makes me very busy as, as well as doing the, the veterans claims. But, you know, like I mentioned before, El Paso County has over 100,000 veterans that live here. And they are part of this everyday community. They're working hard and they're contributing to others. And they tend to volunteer a lot to help other veterans and their families. And, and this community that we live in together. Five years ago, we as a county, we had the idea of having a Veteran of the Year and awarding uh, an award to them. And I believe it's important because it just recognizes the continued hard work and sacrifice that veterans make to help each other. When, when you hang up that uniform on that last day in the military, your, your sacrifice isn't over because we're, we, even if you weren't a medic, if you were in the infantry or if you were a, a maintenance person or whatever, you still made sacrifices as a service member for your country and, and you know, for the United States of America because you're serving to defend our nation. And so I think, you know, service members in general, I always want to say soldiers because I was in the Army, but service members in general, we have that um, that desire to serve and to help. And, and that's kind of where we're going with this is to recognize a veteran in our community that you know, through volunteer work and spending their time helping others, we wanted to find that that person and say, thank you. You know, thank you for continuing to do what you did in the military and helping others, and thank you for continuing to do it today. And, um, and I think it's important to the community because even when we walk away from the military and we're still continuing to help others, to have somebody reach out and say, hey, veterans, we still recognize mm-hmm. you. We still appreciate what you're doing in our community to make us a great community as a whole, whether we're veterans, not veterans, family members, everybody included. But we want to recognize that, hey, you're part of this as well. And thank you for what you do. And at the same time, even though one person each year gets that award, um, 
and everybody has told me that it's a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard for us each year to select somebody because we have so many great people that are doing such great things in this community. So I think the person who is the recipient of that award is not just representing themselves, but they're also representing the other veterans in this community that are doing the same thing. And for that one year until the next year when we award it again, they're kind of holding the torch for all of the veterans and what we all do and contribute in this community. So I just think it's a meaningful and very special award. Um, It's a lot of hard work, a lot of sleepless nights trying to you know, get it all planned. But, you know, when we are able to give that award out, it it all comes together. And it's like, man, this was great. Yeah. So. And I think that in, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's a matter of it, this isn't for me. I mean, I was very appreciative because I, I felt as though the, the work around mental health and suicide prevention, right? It, we're having these conversations. And I, I think even as I Unfortunately, we'll tell the joke for however long it becomes, but I wasn't able to attend my own award ceremony. Right. Um, but but I, I think, as I mentioned, was for me, it was a down payment on future work, not a recognition for past work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that, that many of the fellow awardees, um, but that idea of the fact that we're a community, we, we're the, what is it, the, the densest veteran community in the nation, right? There's 20% or something just veterans plus service planning. So 50% of our community in El Paso County is made up of military-affiliated populations. San Diego can't say that. Norfolk can't right. say that, right? San Antonio can't say that. And so to, to have such a large military and veteran presence but not have had this recognition for so long, um, I, I think for now that really does speak to our community's commitment to the military population. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that this is a great way to recognize the veterans in our community. I mean, we and I wrote a little note here that I say that I feel like El Paso County and the way that we work with our veterans in our community and our local governments, we are the best community in the state of Colorado, if not in the nation. And I feel strongly about that. I've you know, when I came here in the Army and I got stationed here in 1995, my goal was to never leave here. And I spent some time in Germany and Iraq and those things, but I've always come back here and I've been here for over 20 years and I have no desire to leave because we are the best community. We're the best military community and just a community as a whole. You see what's going on. So many people are wanting to, to come and move here. And not, they're not just people coming from California either. There are people that have spent time in the military that have gone other places and they've, you know, ended their military time and they want to come back here to El Paso County and Colorado Springs and Colorado because this is the greatest place to live. And if it wasn't for the relationships, the partnerships, and just the camaraderie that we have as a community, it wouldn't be that great place to live. But it is. And, you know, we have a quarter of the population of veterans in the state of Colorado right here in El Paso County. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that having that, we make a difference together. We make a difference in what we do as a community, what we do in our nation and in our state. And, you know, I feel like I'm on my soapbox a little bit, but, but that's how I feel about it. Right. And, and without the things that we do and the sacrifices that these veterans make every day to help each other, they could all be the veteran of the year. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to pick one. But, um, yeah, I just think we're a great community. The veterans in our community as a whole, as partners, friends, family, we're all, we're all really great. 
Yeah. And that's just my my feelings. And I, and I think that's along with that increased veteran population, they're the increased needs, right? I mean, uh, as unfortunately, you know, we do have some of the negative um, yes. uh, factors, you know, increased veterans homelessness, um, increased financial need and stuff like that. And so along with everybody wanting to come here because – I spent time at Fort Polk. I did not want to retire outside of Fort Polk, right? It's uh, it's a number of different places that we choose not to. Um, but then to be able to have resources like the County Veterans Service Office to meet the needs of the increased veterans and their family members that are coming here, I think that's mm-hmm. really important. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I try to involve myself with a, a lot of things and maintain my sanity. But, you know, I work with the state, you know, the the Colorado Division of Veteran Affairs, I sit in the Colorado Board of Veteran Affairs meetings once a month just because I, I like to know what's going on. And if I can give anything to help, I do. I'm in part of the United Veterans Coalition. Um, and these are all things that I'm, I'm not doing because I want to have more titles or anything like that. I just want to be able to say, hey, I know these things and how can I help and, and stuff like that. So, um, But yes, we are getting busier and busier and busier because of the fact that more and more people want to come here. And so having an office like ours um, is key to help people to get those benefits. Having an organization like the Family Care Center is so key because the amount of veterans that you help and the feedback that I get from your organization is amazing because you are helping the veterans in our community. Same with Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center because we actually have veteran service officers at Mount Mm -hmm. Carmel Mm -hmm. that are doing claims for the people on that side of town. Um, but the other key to that is that they're offering other services too. And all of us partnering together, Homefront Military Network is helping people with utilities or financial assistance or, you know, many, many things. Rocky Mountain Human Services, they're working with homelessness. And I'm involved with all of them. Not, mm-hmm. I might send some of my staff to those meetings, but we are involved together. And we have to always keep in mind the population growth, you know, because veterans want to come here. Their families want to come here, and so we're not going to slow down. And we just have to stay on top of it, keep having these meetings, these discussions, and, and pushing to make things better. Oh, that's that's great. And uh, I think as, as a mentor, I'm, I'm sure you recall Dennis McCormack. Uh, many of us in the community, and Dennis told me one time, I consider him a mentor, but he said, we need an agency of agencies in our community. And I think that you definitely are a key part of that. So if people wanted to find out more about the El Paso County Veterans Service Office, um, you know, location, or, or how would they come get connected with you to be able to get some support? Well, the easiest way to, is just to contact us by phone, and our phone number is 719-520-7750. That is our main office. We also have an email address that you can contact us to. It's vet, V-E-T, at elpasoco.com. Or if you want to call our Mount Carmel office, their number is 719-309-4729. If you want to be, they're on the west side of town in Mount Carmel. We're on the east side of town by the baseball field, the old the Vibe Stadium. Um, so just give us a call. Let us know what you want. It's, you know, I have my administrative technicians in there. They're going to take your phone call. If you, if you have to leave a message, please leave a message. We will call you back. Um, we do call everybody back. It might take a day or two, but we do call everybody back. And, uh, but we will get your information. We will get you your name and your information to a veteran service officer who will call you, talk to you on the phone and make an appointment with you or, Whatever it is that whatever it is that you need, we're going to try to give that to you. So, um, really, you just have to call our office, 
shoot us an email, come by the office if you want. I mean, uh, so Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center, I don't know their address off the top of my head. But they're off of 8th Street. But they're I off think, of 8th yeah. Street. Mm-hmm. You yep. go up Marino at the top of the hill in Communication Circle. Or our address is 5850 Championship View, um, Colorado Springs, 80922. But we're between the Vibes Baseball Stadium and the Costco on Barnes & Power. So yeah, that's what in, I always there's say. There's a shopping center in there, like, right? Just, just go there, keep bouncing back and forth yep. between those two, and you'll feel you And if you have our phone it. number then and you get lost, just call us, and we'll walk you in. Oh, we'll yeah, tell you how yeah. to get to us. So, But, yeah, just absolutely. I mean, even if you just have questions and you're not sure – contact our office because we are there to answer your questions even if we don't need to file something we will um, do whatever we can do to help you absolutely we'll make sure that people know that so thanks for coming on the show today marshall thank you very much Dwayne. i appreciate it i hope that you enjoyed my conversation with marshall we'd love to hear your thoughts if you drop us an email at militarymind at fccsprings.com next i'd like to introduce this week's homefront military network partner of the week operation tbi freedom operation tbi freedom or otf is a program of Craig Hospital based in Colorado Springs, Colorado. OTF lessens the burden for veterans living with traumatic brain injury. With a veteran population higher than the national average in five military installations, the need in the El Paso County area for traumatic brain injury services for our veterans is tremendous. Yet when a veteran transitions out of the military, the complex web of resources available to help them can be daunting to navigate even under the best of conditions. OTF helps these veterans navigate their return to civilian life by connecting them with resources and support to improve mental and physical health and provide direct services not readily available elsewhere. Moreover, Operation TBI Freedom empowers veterans through individualized, relationship-oriented case management. Over the past 20 years, it's been reported that there are over 430,000 traumatic brain injuries among U.S. service members worldwide. In addition to that, more than 185,000 veterans who use VA for their health care have been diagnosed with at least one traumatic brain injury. Since Operation TBI Freedom's inception, they have served over 1,300 veterans and active service members. Currently, Operation TBI Freedom has close to 300 active cases. In general, case managers contact their veterans weekly, monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or annually. OTF tailors the duration and intensity of its services to meet the individual needs of veterans. Eligibility for Operation TBI Freedom are those who have served in any branch of the U.S. Armed Forces on or after September 11, 2001. They must be a resident of Colorado and have clinical evidence or history of traumatic brain injury after the start of their military service, regardless of the type of discharge they received. If a client is not eligible for OTF services, their staff will work to find other appropriate community programs for them. Once accepted into OTF, veterans are assigned to a military support specialist. The team at Operation TBI Freedom are all prior service and have served in multiple leadership positions throughout their careers. They spent a considerable amount of time taking care of service members and their families while in uniform, so now they're able to leverage that same experience in taking care of veterans and service members and their families with positive outcomes. The staff has over 150 years of combined military experience. Working as military support specialists is an extension of their service, and they're passionate about what they do. The military support specialist works with each veteran to resolve any immediate crisis and at the same time to develop a personalized, comprehensive recovery plan to advance reintegration into civilian life and long-term self-sufficiency. Recognizing that family issues and dynamics can be a source of both healing and conflict, 
OTF staff consider the needs of entire families in developing these plans and engages family members throughout the process. Services OTF provides include assistance with crisis management, medical and mental health referrals, employment and education assistance, outdoor therapeutic recreation, benefits assistance, access to health care, and navigation of both governmental and non-governmental agencies. In addition, they also offer direct case management and wraparound services to military veterans and their families. OTF collaborates with multiple organizations specializing in particular areas. For example, they also work with the Fort Judicial District Veterans Court to provide veteran mentors for clients accepted into the Veteran Trauma Court program. Veteran mentors provide non-judgmental, empathetic, and proactive support for participants in the VTC. Additionally, veteran mentors advocate and assist VTC participants in accessing community resources and treatment that aids in their individual recovery goals. OTF services are entirely free of charge. Insurance and co-pays are not required and there are no fees for service. Private donations wholly fund Operation TBI Freedom and they're grateful for all of the financial support that they receive. Donations and accessing care can be made through Operation TBI Freedom's website at craighospital.org forward slash programs forward slash operation dash TBI dash freedom. So thank you for taking time to hear more about the Homefront Military Network resource of the week. If you want to hear more about the Homefront Military Network, you can find them online at homefrontmilitarynetwork.org. If you'd like to find more about the Family Care Center, you can find them at fcsprings.com. The Family Care Center is the Pikes Peak region's leading provider of comprehensive behavioral health for service members, veterans, and their families. They prioritize you and your family with a range of outpatient mental health services, including individual, couples, group, and family therapy, as well as medication management. Heighten your emotional wellness and receive the professional care that you need from the caring and highly skilled team at the Family Care Center. So thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. It'd be great to hear your feedback. I'd like to answer any questions you may have or know what you'd like to hear about. What topics about military and veteran mental health are you interested in? Send me an email at militarymind at fccsprings.com and there's a chance that we'll discuss it on an upcoming show. I'd also like to remind you that the information provided on this show is for educational purposes only. While I am a licensed mental health professional, I'm not your licensed mental health professional. If what we discuss in this episode brings up concerns for you, it's highly recommended that you consult with a licensed mental health professional. Stay tuned for another great show next week and until then, remember, you're not alone, ever. You've been listening to Inside the Military Mind, addressing mental health and wellness for service members, veterans, and their families. Sponsored by Family Care Center, Behavioral Health Services. Our family caring for your family. FCSprings.com. Tune in every Saturday at 11 a.m. for Inside the Military Mind on KPPF. And listen to the Companion Podcast on Podbean. Family Care Center is a comprehensive outpatient behavioral health clinic providing critical mental health support to service members, veterans, family members, and our local community. Family Care Center focuses on the mental health and wellness of those who have served our country's military by providing best-in-class evidence-based therapy, medication management, and transcranial magnetic stimulation. Family Care Center's clinical staff is dedicated to meeting every client's outpatient behavioral health care needs. This is Dr. Chuck Weber, inviting you to learn more at fcsprings.com. Family Care Center, our family caring for your family. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. 
Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.